Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. Avadim hayinu hayinu, once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. Our collective spiritual ancestors were once slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt for 400 years. My biological ancestors, and perhaps some of yours too, were slaves in this country for 246. I bring this up because this Sunday, June 19th, marks when just over 150 years ago, slavery, slavery truly ended in America. We learned in school that President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation that ended slavery was issued on January 1st, 1863. The proclamation was a strategic effort on the part of the Union to finally get a grasp on resolving the Civil War. Lincoln addressed those last rebellion states and areas within rebellion states with the following. I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are, and henceforward, shall be free. This, in theory, freed the slaves in the remaining states that has so far eluded union control. But not everyone relayed this message to their slaves, at least not until a Union force reached those areas to enforce this proclamation. And almost two and a half years later, on June 19, 1865, General, Major General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas, and issued General Order Number 3, which stated, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former slaves and their masters, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. They say everything is bigger in Texas, and I can only imagine the scene that broke out a former slave recounted that after learning of their freedom, hallelujah, broke out. Everybody went wild. And I wasn't there, but I can assure you that this was a scene filled with full body expression, jumping, dancing, loud outcries, and full bodied tears of joy. This date, June 19th, or Juneteenth as we like to call it, has since been celebrated amidst the black community. Today's celebrations not only commemorate our ancestors' freedom, but also seek 
to increase awareness regarding issues that still impact the community today. Avadim Hainu Hainu, Ata B'nai Korin. Once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. And it's important for anyone who was once enslaved to celebrate being free. This week's Torah portion, Behalotika, finds the Israelites in freedom from Egypt and on their desert journey. And let's just say this is a very eventful journey. Here's a quick rundown of what happens. God speaks to Moses and describes the menorah. We learn about the appointment of the Levites as assistants to serve under Aaron and sons. The cloud appears over the tabernacle, which we also discover appears as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Then it takes on an interesting militaristic tone with instructions for designing and sounding trumpets and battle cries and when to move forward and the precise detail of order of the troops. And then, and then it gets epic. The Israelites complain bitterly and God responds with a ravaging fire on the outskirts of the camp. A fire so bad the people cried out to Moses and Moses prays on their behalf. And when the fire dies down, this place they named so that they could remember that when they complained, a fire of God broke out against them. Or maybe not, because next, the riffraff, and this word riffraff, by the way, is a common translation used, it's not mine. The riffraff among them complained about the manna from heaven that sustained them, saying, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. An emphasis on the word free here because that feels odd in the context of someone who just escaped slavery. Moses is a little frustrated and goes to the eternal. He vents regarding leading the people and how they want meat. And God says to Moses, select 70 elders to share your burden. And regarding the meat, God tells Moses, they want meat? I'll give them meat for an entire month. So much meat that it comes out of their nostrils and becomes loathsome. And what does Moses say? Even after everything, Moses questions God and says, I've got about 600,000 foot soldiers, and yet I'm supposed to find enough meat to feed them for an entire month? <laughs> oh, Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. God replies, just wait and see if what I said will happen, happens. <laughs> and oh, did it happen. The eternal caused a great wind to sweep up from the sea. And quail were everywhere. And the people gathered it. And the meat was still between their teeth. Not yet chewed, the Torah says, when a severe plague struck them. And there they buried those that had the craving. And then probably one of the most known parts of this Parsha, Aaron and Moses, Aaron and Miriam, spoke out against Moses because of the Cushite woman he married. 
Cushite woman, which we take to understand as someone from the Horn of Africa, a black woman. And Miriam is stuck with, struck with snow-white scales. This is where Moses famously cries out, El-Narafanala, oh God, pray, heal her. This is definitely one of those Torah portions that gives credence to the term of biblical proportions. But there's something else. I saved this piece for last because I think it's one of the best parts of this Torah portion. During the midst of all this chaos and the plague, God offers the template for precisely when and how the Pesach, the Passover sacrifice, is to be offered. And the people do as instructed to offer the very first Passover sacrifice on the first month, on the 14th day, at twilight. However, a group approaches Moses with a conundrum. They say to him, we are unclean because of a corpse in our midst and are unfit to offer the Passover sacrifice at the right time. Why should we be kept from offering the sacrifice along with the rest of Israel? And Moses says, you know what? Let me check. And here's what God says. When any of you or of your posterity who are defiled by a corpse or on a long journey would offer a Passover sacrifice to the eternal, they shall offer it in the second month on the 14th day of the month at twilight. In other words, God offers a makeup Passover day for the group and for all posterity to come. We call this Passover Shani or literally second Passover. And this is the only holiday in our Jewish calendar with an official makeup day. That feels important. Abadim hainu hainu, atah b'nei Korin. Once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. And it's important for anyone who was once enslaved to celebrate being free. When we commemorate the exodus from Egypt, we are supposed to envision ourselves as if we had physically been there to experience it. And maybe it's just me, but I have a hard time imagining that, having lived a life of freedom. I'd like to suggest that while they, while they were relieved from physical bondage and servitude, our Israelite ancestors often remained captive in a different kind of Mitzrayim or Egypt, a mental one. Now that kind of captivity I don't have to imagine because I know it. It's a place where you're bogged down with a dead weight of thoughts and it's a next level kind of captivity because not only do we ourselves design it, but we serve as both its Pharaoh and its slave. And while this week's Torah portion gives us the practical makeover Passover Shemi, the second Passover, I propose that we also have a second chance at an exodus from a mental Mitzrayim. Avadim hainu hainu, atah b'nei Korim. Once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. While we may not be physically wandering in the desert, complaining so much that we're struck 
by ravaging fire. What if we discover that an important law has been reversed or plans for a more just world seem to be taking too long? Will you find comfort in that mental Mitzrayim that says this needle isn't moving? The more we move forward, the more we get pushed back. It's hopeless. Or will you be free? Franklin Roosevelt reminds us that in the truest sense, freedom cannot be bestowed. It must be achieved. Abadim hayinu hayinu, chorin. Once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. We may not be calling on Moses to find us meat because we're bored with manna. Maybe instead we're fixated on the rising costs of goods and services. In our mental Mitzrayim, we long for days when we didn't experience the sticker shock, a place where we could willingly dismiss the need for workers to earn a living wage. But in freedom, we recall the words of Nelson Mandela who said, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Avadim hayinu hayinu, Once we were free. Once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. We may not be openly criticizing Moses' black wife, but in a state of mental Mitzrayim, Maybe we are using techniques of othering, accounting someone's race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, age, or even their physical disability as a means to bar them from our polite, accepted society. In freedom, we call to mind William Faulkner's charge that we must be free not because we claim freedom, but because we practice it. Abadim hayinu hayinu, atab Once we were slaves, now we are free. And it's important to be free. We may not be crying out because Miriam was struck with a case of snow white scales. But in a state of mental Mitzrayim, we could be stuck in a place where we are helplessly watching a loved one suffer because of something we ourselves did. In that narrow place, our body may go unharmed, but gaining freedom from that kind of guilt and emotional bondage could cause mental scars so much deeper than physical ones. Avadim hayinu hayinu, atabene chlorine. Once we were slaves, now we are free. In closing, I leave you with these powerful words from our modern era sage, Viktor Frankl, that offer some very great insight on how to gain freedom from our own mental Mitzrayim. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom. May we all have the strength, the fortitude, and the desire to be free. Because it's important to be free. And it's important for anyone who was once enslaved to celebrate being free. 
Happy Juneteenth. Kini Hiratzone.